What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. It's another episode with our friend Mark Hill, our resident Tour Junkies European Tour expert in betting and DFS. Mark is a new addition to the Tour Junkies team. We're so grateful to have him. Born and based out of Northern Ireland, Mark has 10 plus years of experience full-time working in the betting industry and knows his stuff. He's going to be right here on the Tour Junkies channel on YouTube, breaking down all the action, giving you some picks, giving you some takes. So it's going to be great content. We're really proud of it. As always, presented by our friends at FantasyNational.com. Head over to FantasyNational.com now slash TJ to get 20% off any membership level, weekly memberships, monthly or annual. You get 20% off if you try it for a week and you love it. You can upgrade to a month or, or the annual membership and still get the 20% off. It's where we've been going for four plus years to get all our PGA Tour data. They don't have European Tour stuff yet, but maybe soon to come. Uh, but if you're looking for that, if you're betting on PGA Tour, playing DraftKings, anything at all, fantasynational.com slash TJ is where it's at. And all the data is licensed by the PGA Tour to Fantasy National. So you know it's good. Welcome to the 2021 Alfred Dunhill Links Championship Tour Junkies Preview. That is a mouthful. I am Mark Hill. I am your host for the very first European Tour podcast slash show for the Tour Junkies. It's an honor and a privilege to be asked by DB and Pat to jump on board. I've been a member of the Nut Hut for a couple of years now. Um, to be honest, really excited to get going on this, see how we fare in the next few weeks uh, and next few months for the rest of the 2021 European Tour season. Who am I? I am a Nut Hot member. I've been into golf betting and DFS for the last couple of years. And you can follow me on social media at Mark Hill Sports. In general, I've been working in the betting industry for over 10 years now, based in Northern Ireland, uh, about 20 minutes from Belfast. And as you can tell by the accent, I'm born and bred over here. Uh, over this side of the pond, I have always had an active interest in American sports, and as touched upon one of the other shows with DB and Pat that I jumped on to, there's an American football helmet in the background there for my local Craig Avon Cowboys team. Um, to be honest, the golf side of things, I've always been focused on the PGA Tour because there's a plethora of stats and information out there. But whenever we come to the European Tour, it really is digging deep to try and find the little bits of information, pull it all together and to try and get that edge and find that value when it comes to the betting side of things, and also on DFS. So let's look at where we're going to go. But first, I have to start with a podcast tradition. And what I'm going to do is a little bit different to the other guys. Now, I, I don't have access to Arnold Palmer's... Arnold, get, the, get the gentleman's name right. Arnold Palmer spiked over here. But I am going to have a toast to wherever region I'm going to on the European tour, because we do have quite a, a worldwide, uh, when, when we're not in the COVID-19 pandemic, but we do have quite a, a worldwide trip ahead of us on the European tour. And this week we're in Scotland, so I am going for a whiskey. And today's drink and tipple is the famous grouse, which is a blended Scottish whiskey. For any use on the video, I will read it to you. It's by appointment to Her Majesty the Queen. It is a Scotch whiskey, blended, uh, expertly blended and matured in seasoned oak casks for a rich rounded sweetness. So I thought about the beers. I thought about wine. Can't get that in Scotland unless it's Buckfast, um, which I, I probably will introduce you guys to at some point. But that's that's definitely one of those wheel roulette type. Uh, punishments that DB and Pat might roll out from time to time, but 
there is my bottle of famous grouse and on the rocks. So let's kick into it then. Where are we going to this week? Well, to start off, this is an interesting uh, tournament, will we say? We didn't see it in 2019, or sorry, didn't see it in 2020 because of the COVID 19 pandemic. But we are at a pro am event, which means it's going to be extremely long, uh, probably six hour rounds. We have extreme weather coming in, but rain for a couple of days and winds that have seen reported up to 40 mile an hour on, on the Friday and some into Saturday. I'm seeing more 25 mile an hour gusts, uh, but certainly over 20 mile an hour on, on Friday. And we're going to have to bear that into our handicap and whenever I come to it. So the course itself then, it's a three course event played over four days. Carnoustie would be one of the courses. It's an Alad Robertson design. Narrower fairways and trickier green complex. So it tends to be the course that is hardest to score on. But, you know, with the weather coming into it, maybe the advantage that you would have had scoring low on some of the other courses doesn't come in as much this time around. So we're going to have a look at that. Next course is Kings Barn, traditionally the easiest to score on. Although St Andrews as well, also from time to time, can be one of the more favourable tracks for lower scoring. But Kings Barn then is a par 72, 7,224 yards, Kyle Phillip designed. We've seen Kyle Phillip design previously on our last stop on the European Tour which was at the Dutch Open at the Bernardo's Golf Resort. So really, from my perspective, uh, it is a course that I want to be targeting guys that are going out on round one at Kings Barn, shoot as low as possible on those opening rounds, and then hopefully they have that in the bag going into the next couple of rounds when the weather picks up. And then finally, the old course in St Andrews needs no introduction. Everybody knows it. It is a par 72, 7,305 yards. And this course, this time, you know, it's, it's not going to be breaking from tradition too much. It's got the wide fairways. It has double greens in places. It is there to be attacked. But because of the weather coming in, it is going to have a bit of a defense. So the old lady can defend herself this week coming into the event. How am I approaching this then, betting-wise? Well, I have obviously looked into Lynx form, and especially with the weather coming in, what I want to try and do in my perspective was to really dig into the Lynx form and use that as my pivotal thing. So I think in terms of my model side of things, I have over 30% weight on Lynx and how I approach that betting-wise or, or to put the numbers together is to run a baseline of what strokes gain data is relevant around Lynx and then look at the historic strokes gain data baseline for how they perform over the last two, three years against how they have performed on Lynx or Lynx-style tracks. So there are a few names that popped up that surprised me when I was going through it, and I'm going to run through them later on. But that sort of predominantly was what I was looking at, trying to find those Lynx golfers that can handle the weather um, and, and maybe not necessarily names that are up near the top of the board. Yes, when I get to that in a second, you will see some names that you're familiar with. There's going to be other names that I'm going to reference tonight, which to my US audience, you're probably not as familiar with, but hopefully going to be on your radar in the coming weeks and months whenever we land this show each and every week. Other things I'm taking into consideration, so any of you guys that use Fantasy National for PGA Tour or use Data Golf, you're used to looking up the last 24 rounds and breaking it down by course type, by weather, by green types. And I've done something very similar with what I've sort of built in the background. 
And this time around, I am looking at the last 24 rounds for recent form. I'm using an adjusted strokes gained data record. So with adjusted strokes gained, you're not just looking at the number that's there on paper. You're looking at it against the strength of field. So obviously, when you come to a PGA event or a major or a WGC, you've got a stronger field and your adjusted score is going to be that much more weighted than, say, a Challenge Tour event or a Corn Ferry Tour event or an alternate event on the, the PGA Tour where that strength of field drops. So it's really trying to use the raw numbers that are there, add a bit of a spin to it, which is adjusted based on the uh, strength of field, and then using that in my model, and I've put a 15% weight into that this week. There is other sort of recent form stuff that's that's mingled into my overall model. The idea with a model side of things is to use different components or variables. So in this case, I've used, I think, 12, 13 different variables that I'm weighting at a different level. As I said, Lynx is, is sort of coming in as my, my top weight in terms of how I'm coming down to a final number. And then I take that final number, and from that, I'm able to get a percentage. And from that percentage, it gives me a probability for how well I think the golfer is going to do in this tournament. And the idea from the betting side of things, then, is to try and you know, exponentially take the value from that. So I know a lot of you DFS heads use your value calculators when it comes to that side of things, but on betting, it's extremely similar. You know, there, there can be guys out there. I know the guy that's top of my model this week. He is number one in the betting market. He's number one on my model for a reason. And the fact that I'm sort of correlating there is not a bad thing necessarily. But it does mean that I perhaps don't have the value on that number one golfer in the field. Therefore, I'm trying to find that price discrepancy as I move down and see who else is available. I'm basically looking against my probability, against the market's probability. And it's the big thing I want to say as well. Shop around for your prices. The US market is booming right now, both legalized and I guess offshore still lingering in the background for any states that aren't legalized yet. But to be honest, it's one of those things where there is lots of price discrepancies as you jump book to book to book, and every book is looking your business right now. On my side of things, I worked in the betting industry for over 10 years. I was on the betting side, so working for syndicates, mainly on soccer and a few other bits and pieces. And then in the last sort of year, or last six months in particular, I've transitioned to working for sports books in the US, um, heading up their trading side of things and, and for a white label in London. <clears throat> and with that, I'm starting to get a real eye opener into just how flawed some of the pricing is in terms of sports books in the US. Um, and also the discrepancies that you jump from book to book. We've had it over here for you know, 20, 30 years where you've had soft pricing out there. It's the same in golf right now, and especially at the European tour level, because there isn't the same stats and information out there as you're going to find, broadly speaking, for the PGA Tour. So definitely shop around for your prices and try and find those price discrepancies from who you like in the market. If you like someone in particular, Shop around for that golfer, especially if it's someone down the field. You can get huge jumps and discrepancies from 125-1 down to 50-1 to for the same golfer. So definitely shop around and have a look. And I'll drop in some of those prices tonight. What I want to try and do is not just give you a top-of-the-market price. I want to try and give you a price that is regularly available out there that you can get your hands on, hopefully, if you're in one of the regulated states anyway. So... Where was I? I was on the course breakdown and the key stats. So other things I'm waiting in here. Obviously, the big green complexes is something to bear in mind. And you want your good putters to capitalize on that. So even with the soft conditions in the first couple of days, it's still 
in my eyes, going to favor those better putters. So I definitely have a bit of a, a higher than average putting weight into my model. So it can range from sort of 3% up to 6% typically for me when I'm waiting in putting in a model. This week, this week I've gone as high as 10%. Um, it's definitely something I want to have on side. And certainly, and my best bet later in the show, the guy I'm opposing ranks out 127th in this field. Field is another thing I should actually highlight because this is a 168-man field. So we've not only got the pro-am element over three courses, you've got a 168-man field. I think it's top 60 in ties that will then play the final day at the old course again. Where the pins are moved a bit different to uh, where they will be for the first three days. Because it's that pro-am and because they are playing with a range of golfers. I see Michael Phelps in the practice round today. Um, the commentator was saying that he was off a handicap of 28, 26, 28. Um, these pins are set up for the amateur golfer and the pro or guys who think they are a pro. Uh, last time around at the pro-am, Justin Timberlake was uh, red hot with a putter, will we say. Um, and to be honest, we're not getting a lot of those uh, US guys coming over this time because of the pandemic, but you know, we're still getting plenty of local sports stars involved, still getting plenty of um, you know, sort of well-known celebrities, what we say, over this, this side of the pond. So there's going to be plenty to see. There's going to be plenty to, to watch. Uh, the, the coverage is going to be quite slow at times, but we'll, we'll get our heads around it. But because those pins are placed favorably in the first couple of days, it's definitely something that I want a good putter to take advantage of. Ball striking goes without saying because of the wind. You want a good ball striker. I've waited more on approach than off the tee because of the wide fairways that we're going to see outside of Carnoustie. So the approach side of things, I definitely have waited in. Uh, greens and regulation, scrambling, bogey avoidance. I want a clean golfer this week with the bad weather. Um, so I've put some of that into it. And then another blend of the course history and recent form is in there. So lots of different things waited into the model. And hopefully, hopefully, we land some value this week. I know. There's a lot of DFS heads and betting tipsters and, and pick makers out there saying this is a tournament to avoid. And sometimes those are the ones that maybe make more appeal because guys think they're throwing darts. But if you try and get it down to that one number, back yourself, back your model, and hopefully we come out on top. DFS-wise has been a bit of a nightmare on the European Tour. It's typically very slow to release the pricing. It only came out a few hours ago here. And... You know, PGA Tour is out over 24 hours in advance of that. And we also have contest selections at the minute on, on DraftKings is a lot less than typical because we're into NFL season and the European Tour sort of drops down the peck and order a little bit more. But this is a tournament that I'm quite excited about. And hopefully we're going to try and find some winners, some green screens and see where we go from there. So what I want to do is look at the top of the board. Now, I promised myself, and I made a claim on Twitter yesterday, that I was not going to reference a certain competition that happened this week or at the weekend. But it's hard to get away from it. I'm not going to talk about it directly, but I am going to talk about the top of the board. And with that is Shane Lowry at 14 to 1. Alex Noren, Billy Horschel, Tommy Fleetwood all come in at 16 to 1. Terrell Hatton at 18 to 1. And Brandon Grace at 25 to 1. So straight away, you're seeing a number of those names who were involved last weekend didn't necessarily fare well. And I haven't dug in a little bit to how golfers have reacted coming off a Ryder Cup. It tends to be, if it's short travel, so it's been France to, to Scotland or something similar or you know England to Scotland type, 
typically, any guys from America that have hung around have done well. And typically, we have seen some European golfers back up a performance at the Ryder Cup with a win at the likes of the Alfred Dunhill before. So uh, the caveat with that is we are traveling this week, going from uh, Wisconsin over to the United Kingdom. And it's really one of those things that... (sighs) There, there's a bit of appeal at the prices. The one that stood out to me was Shane Lowry. He's top of my model this week and at 14 to 1. There's a bit of appeal there, but there's enough question marks over the fatigue element. He said it was the best week of his life last week. This is a calm down. It's going to be a relaxed atmosphere, but that slow grind can really wear you down, especially with the cold conditions, the wet conditions, the wind. And I love my boy Shane, but I don't think this week is going to be for him. But he's definitely one that I would. You know, I may keep on site on DFS. I don't know if ownership's going to be through the roof because he's top of the board on DFS as well. And that may put a lot of people off, but I love the 7K this range, 7K range this week on DFS. So if you're confident enough to put Shane Laurie into your DFS lineups, then hopefully we can find some 7K guys to, to pair in there and make the most of Shane. The rest of the guys at the top of the board aren't appealing. And Alex Noren, for me, has fallen down my model. Um, he's going to make a lot of appeal. He's going to be high-owned out of that range because guys are going to be naturally swerving away from the guys who played in the Ryder Cup. But then Billy Horschel as well is coming off a win at Wentworth. He's going to be popular too. So really, Billy maybe last week or, or his last tournament out at Wentworth, he's got the win under his belt. He stayed around in the UK. He's trying to build up those race to Dubai points. And he's someone that is definitely notable and on the radar, but I just didn't see enough in the numbers to suggest that I would have him on site. He's certainly shown his negative value to me at his price point. And beyond that, I looked at the Pro-Am side of things and it doesn't seem to be something he's really enjoyed looking at his history in the, the, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Um, so again, that's a lengthy test as well. Didn't do particularly well. So it's one I'm going to swerve as Billy Horsell towards the top of the market. Which does bring me then to who I am picking first. So let's get into the betting portion of this. And what I'm going to do slightly different to the guys, uh, Pat and DB, is because their background is in the DFS side of things and they have that buzzing community on the nut hut, I'm going to try and approach it from the betting side of things first, touch upon the DFS at the end, but then as we build more DFS knowledge as the weeks go on in this show and try and hopefully find contests and, and selections that, that appeal, I'm going to focus in on the betting side. From that, hopefully you can draw a few names that you like on the DFS side, and then we'll go from there. So, who is my first selection? My first selection this week is Robert McIntyre, Bobby Mack. You guys know him over on the PGA Tour because he hit the ground running earlier in the year. He's one of those golfers that has sort of peaked, what we say, uh, earlier in the year. Um, and you know, he, he has played this before. He's coming in in 2019 on P26, 15 under. But we're trying to find a golfer at a buy-low spot. Um, I think Robert McIntyre graded out fourth in my model. Yeah, I have it on the screen there. 35 to 1, fourth in the model. Market ranks him around ninth. And that sort of discrepancy for me as someone towards the top end of the market is someone I want on side. Um, he did feel in his bid to secure a PGA Tour card. He's going to be hurting from that. But he's also had the time to digest that and, and realize that that peak form at the start of the season has, you know, it's disappeared now, if you like. Fresh slate. He's come home to Scotland for the last couple of years or last couple of weeks. 
he can now get that relaxed state about him. And he's one golfer that I'm definitely going to be keeping onside this week at a by low point. What I don't like <laughs> was the draw that he's been handed because he's starting out in Carnoustie, which is typically the toughest track. And ideally, I would have liked the golfers that I'm backing to be starting on Kingsbourne. Some of the other guys I'm going to come to do start on Kingsbourne, and I'll touch upon why I like them to go low initially and hopefully carry us through to the weekend. But on Robert McIntyre's side of things, got his 2020 maiden victory on the European Tour, the Cypress Showdown last year during the lockdown. Um, and this is a guy who's had two top 12 finishes in the majors in this year alone. So we, we know he has the upside. We know he has the game in him to, to peak and do well. And in terms of the Open Championship, which is obviously typically played at a Lynxy Field type course, he has T6 and T8 in recent years. So we're, we're getting a guy who has everything in his locker to be a top-end golfer emerging. He's still young. And at 35 to 1, that price point, for me, he should be coming into this kind of field around the 20 to 1 mark. So there's plenty of value, plenty of room there for Robert McIntyre to drop down into my selections this week. So that's the first one up is Robert McIntyre at 35 to 1. Next guy popping for me, and I'm sort of faced with the same dilemma as Robert McIntyre because I didn't get the favorable draw that I was looking. But Matthew Jordan, like when I was sitting over the last couple of days, and sometimes in this industry, you know, it's paralysis by analysis. You can research and research and research. But Matthew Jordan was jumping off the page for me when I looked at this Lynx model I was putting together. And overall, he graded out number two on the Lynx model. And because I have that extra weight in, He's graded out number six overall in my pool model for the tournament. And with that, I have to ask myself why he's as low as 66 to 1. He opened up 70 to 1 at most books. It's dropped as low as 50 to 1 in places. But still, I'm seeing two or three other books at 66 to 1, which seems to be readily available. Like, if he had not missed the cut at Wentworth, that's probably kept him in that 66 to 1 range at the minute. But Outside of that, he had two top 10 finishes in the European Masters and the Hero Open and three further top 20 finishes at the Italian Open, the Scottish Open and the Irish Open. So we've got a guy who has recent form, slow enough to start off his 2020 campaign after a decent 2019, sorry, 2020, he had a decent year. But this is a young golfer, 25 years of age with plenty of upside. And outside of the, the numbers I was running on the links side of things, which was concentrating on pro tour events on link style courses matthew jordan has a 2017 amateur title here at st andrews so that is definitely some familiarity and comfortableness there and is also an amateur winner of the live and trophy so you know everything is telling me this is a young fellow who has the upside he's still not at that price point where he's going to get to in the coming possibly the rest of this season but certainly next season on the european tour he's going to be at a much lower price we can get him at 66 to 1 here I like the value. I think he's good down to 40 to 1 for this tournament. So still plenty of room on my model. And his approach numbers give plenty of appeal as well. So that's come, that's uh, Matthew Jordan at 66 to 1. I do expect him to be fairly popular on the DFS side of things. He has been touted up on a number of shows already from the betting side of things, certainly over this side of the shore or this side of the pond. So he is going to be a popular pick, but... It's hard to get away, and sometimes you have to eat that chalk, and especially betting-wise. If I'm getting a golfer at 66-1 to 1 that I feel should be in the 40-1 to 1 range, if not lower, I'm going to keep him on side all day long. So Matthew Jordan is my next selection at 66-1. to 1. 
Next up is an intriguing golfer that was a DFS and betting darling last time out uh, at the Dutch Open at Bernardo's Golf, but has really seemed to have dropped off the radar this week because I'm not seeing many people talk him up. Uh, he comes in at 100 to 1 and ranks out number 12 in my model. Um, in hindsight, maybe I am weighting his challenge performances a little too highly. Um, but we've seen golfers emerge very quickly off the Challenge Tour and then make that step up the European Tour and PGA Tour in no time at all. Santiago Tario is a 30-year-old Spanish golfer. He's one that hasn't peaked yet. He's shown glimmers and glimpses of form, but 2021 has been his year. On the Challenge Tour, he's a number of first-place finishes and a number of top five and top ten finishes. And then has followed that up on the Hero Open when he stepped up. Uh, when did he step up? Earlier in the year in the Hero Open as well, where he had a, a positive finish there. I want to talk into his links form. He's another one that stood out. Like Some Spanish players tend to play well on links, and we've no idea why. Look at the world number one, John Ram. We have guys there from Spain who tend to adapt fairly well to links golf, whether it's the coastal aspect or the wind coming off uh, in, in Spain. I'm not really sure why there's that nice fit. But Santiago Tario does appeal this week. And we've seen last time, uh, last time out, in 2019 for the Alfred Dunhill with Victor Perez winning that some young golfer can emerge and some first-time European Tour winners can emerge. And Santiago Tario, for me, is one that I'm very, very high on this week. And what I really like about Santiago Tario is his draw because he is going to open up on Kingsbarn, which is the most exposed track uh, of the lot, but has the ability to have the best scores. So if I look back through the previous years of the Alfred Dunhill Championship, we're getting a golfer here that can score low in first rounds, can has, has win equity, maybe not at this calibre of field strength, but he has win equity and he has uh, the upside. He is brimming with confidence. And maybe that price of 100 to 1 would be a lot shorter if he hadn't struggled at the Dutch. At the end of the day, he did, or the Dutch Open, he did make the cut at the Dutch Open at the Bernardo's Golf. And yes, there's that slight niggly feeling of concern that there are two Kyle Phillips tracks and maybe uh, he won't necessarily adapt because he didn't do particularly well and I think it was T62 possibly around that range. Certainly made the cut anyway at the Dutch Open. But I'm seeing people jumping off him after that. There's plenty to keep on side for me. He's doing well enough in the Lynx model thing uh, side of things for me where he actually created out 11th. So maybe still going under the radar. Um, Twelve on my overall model. He's going to be in the seven k range. I'm all over him in DFS, and he's definitely one that I'm keeping on side at a hundred to one. Lots and lots of value. Lots to like about him, and really, it's one that I think is probably my favorite bet. And he is going to be involved in my best bet later in the show. So Santiago Tario is my next golfer at one hundred to one. And from one one hundred to one shot to another hundred to one shot. And that is Richie Ramsey. Another one ranking inside my top 20 of my model. 100 to 1, market rank of 42. Uh, Ramsey then also starting off on round one at Kingsbarn. So a nice pivot there from Santiago Tarrio and Richie Ramsey. And if I'm going to find a golfer that's starting at Kingsbarn, he's going to shoot low, fingers crossed. And I can sort of hedge between Tarrio and Ramsey with that fit. I'm going to have my Scotsman on side. My second Scotsman to make my card. There is that local aspect, that local feel. Not seen a lot of form, bit of inconsistency, but generally solid links form. And particularly he starts well and is a potential first round leader bet once those prices hit because 
I looked back at some of the old scoreboards, and I think one year you had nine of the ten top ten golfers after round one had played off Kingsbarn. We know the conditions are going to be favourable on day one. A little bit of soft, a little bit of rain. But generally speaking, the wind's not going to pick up until Friday, Saturday, if the weather forecast is to believe. And to be honest, the weather forecast side of things, we know it can be a lottery at times anyway. But let's put faith in the numbers and, and the, the forecasters. So the weather side of things, not going to be an issue. We hope that Santiago Tario or our boy Richie Ramsey can score low on day one. What else am I saying with him? The one blip on his form links-wise was the 2020 Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club where he shot an opening round of 80. Outside of that, it really was um, fairly solid form across the board in terms of his links history. And one thing that appealed to me was that he put that behind him, scored a 71 the next day, and then came back to the Renaissance Club this year, Scottish Open in 2021, bounced back, uh, made the cut, Flew through the field and ended up with a T T fifteen finish, um, and then Kingsbarn as well. So in twenty nineteen, he opened up on Kingsbarn uh, with a sixty five on his way to a top ten finish. So plenty to like about what Richie Ramsey can offer because of that inconsistency. That's why we're getting the hundred to one price, but lots of upside that I like. Lots of things that the Scotsman hopefully has in his locker, as DB likes me saying, and. Um, I'm going to have him on side for this. So let's have a look at who is next on the betting card. So yeah, another low, by low spot on a golfer that has shown previous form, has done fairly well in his past, but 2021 has not been his year, unfortunately. He has the links history. He has some correlatory form as well. We had a two-time winner at the Portugal Masters, which has already showed up as, as one of those uh, sort of course historic uh, form uh, overlaps between here and there. No idea why, but he did. And then 2021, I say, has been a huge drop off for him. We're now getting a three figure price, though. And in this sort of field, 50 to 61 seems fair. I'm happy enough to keep him on side. Not a, much, not a lot more to say. He has the ability, he has the upside. I'm happy to have him on my card. He starts off round one on the old course at St Andrews, which traditionally you can score well on, on round one. Um, he goes to round two, Carnoustie. And again, the Carnoustie side of things and why I'm sort of putting so much weight into this draw is that I feel the Carnoustie is the toughest track. It's the one that you have to grind your way through. But because of that weather aspect, it's kind of a leveler. Um, the guys that are coming in and playing round two in particular on Kingsbourne are at a disadvantage because they haven't got that big low score to aim at on Kingsbourne whenever that wind picks up because of the exposed nature of the track. The old course... Has a bit of defence as well in it whenever the wind picks up. But starting on the old course on round one isn't the worst. And he's going to finish at Kingsbarn when hopefully that wind starts to die off again. But certainly Tom Lewis, that side of things. He opens up as well with Luke Donald, who's a familiar partner. All things that I don't necessarily wait into a model on a statistical side of things and the numbers. But, you know, narrative-wise, it does kind of fit what I'm looking for. So Tom Lewis at 100 to 1. I'm going to round out my betting card with Callum Shinkwin, 150 to 1, model rank of 32, uh, market rank of 62. So Callum Shinkwin, previous second place at the Scottish Open in 2017, has a glimpses of form this year back on home soil with a third at the Kazoo Classic and a fourth at the Kazoo Open, as well as a top 20 finish at the Hero Open on another link-style test. Carduzzi Day 2, sandwich between St Andrews and Kingsbarn is what I've put down for his uh, draw side of things. 
he's a, he's a golfer that I just think is mispriced at 150 to one, readily available out there. Uh, should he be lower than 100 to one? Probably. Uh, I'd probably have him in that 66 to, to one to 70 to one range. Um, there's plenty to like about him in terms of the model side of things. He's not up there at the peak side of things in the model, but you know that 150 to one price point, you're not going to get the perfect golfer. You're going to find someone that's possibly another buy low spot, and it's that running theme because we have had 200 to one winners here. We've had big outsiders come from nowhere. Football that is, we've had the likes of Taylor or Terrell Hatton back up back to back wins, and then a second place finish in a row. But we know that happens out of form this time coming. Um, I'd rather buy low at 150 to one and 100 to one on some of these golfers that have the upside over taking that short price about a Hatton or a Fleetwood or someone else who is not just showing the ability across the board. Give me the bigger price all day long. So Callum Shinkwin, the Englishman, rounds out my card for this. What I will touch upon is I, uh, when you run a model, you're going to get value on a number of golfers. So I'm just going to touch upon some of those that maybe you want to drop into your DFS lineup. I'm not going to go into any detail, but uh, Jordan Smith at 80 to 1, Marcel Siam at 80 to 1, George Casilla at 125 to 1, Eduardo Malinari at 125 to 1, Alexander Levy at 125 to 1, Nicholas Colesarts at 200 to 1, and David Law, the Scotsman, at 250 to 1, are also guys that do show value on my model. Have a bit of a deeper dig in. Like, we have another 24, 48 hours before we get started into the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. There's going to be opportunities to maybe look a bit deeper into their draw. I haven't had a, a really close look into it yet, but at those price points, I show value. I say that if you can find those 80 to ones or even 200 to one with Nicholas Colesarts, that they should be lower than they are in terms of the price. So I'm going to do a bit of a digger deep in before I maybe put any money down, but it's just ones that are worth looking at for DFS and are worth having that little bit of extra research put into. So that rounds out my options for this week. I've given you out six selections that I certainly am betting at those price points. I've got slightly better myself with Matthew Jordan at 70 to 1, for example, but still a bet at 66 to 1. Well worth putting into your selections this week. And then I really, really do like Santiago Tario, Richie Ramsey in at that 100 to 1 price point. Robert McIntyre, I'm a little bit more hesitant about, but 35 to 1 when really in this caliber of field should be lower. He's shown enough on links before. He's shown enough uh, earlier in the year. And I think that reacclimatizing to the Scottish environment and feeling more relaxed back at home, the pressure of the KFT uh, championship and qualifying is behind him. Hasn't made his PGA Tour card. Take a breath. Let's go get it. 35 to 1 for Robert McIntyre. DFS side of things then. So DFS. What way I'm going to approach this is I'm going to just bring up the price points on my computer here and have a look at who I am backing, uh, well, provisionally looking at what we say, not backing necessarily yet, but uh, as, as is the Tour Junkies tradition, you know, pick three guys to, to look at, fade in each range, and go from there. But because the price only came out today, at the minute I've only provisionally ran it against my betting model, DFS, you have to approach it slightly different, so with some ownership into the way you're considering it. So completely different to betting you get your price and you don't have to worry about too much else after that once you have that value locked in dfs you have to bring in the ownership with european tour golf it is extremely difficult to find ownership projections i am working on something in the background with the boys to try and get an ownership projection into the nut hut each week that will come in the coming weeks but right now we're just trying to focus in on 
golfers that are maybe underpriced based on form, based on the betting model, and look into that that way. So let's look at the 9K range, which is headed by Shane Lowry at 11500 which is an extremely high price point. But as I touched upon earlier when I was looking at the top of the betting board, I have him number one on my model. And I, I probably will have lineups built around Shane Lowry because I do like that 7K range. So I'm going to have him on side. Some of the other guys rounding out this range, Tommy Fleetwood at 10.6, Billy Horschel at 11,000, Robert McIntyre at 9.2, Tyrrell Hatton 10.3. Uh, I'm out of order because I'm in model over here. But we'll, we'll touch upon who the guys that I will be having on my card or, or sort of having a deeper dive on, which is Shane Laurie, Rob McIntyre, and Thomas Dietrich. I haven't mentioned Thomas Dietrich already on the show, but there is a number of signs there that he could be there or thereabouts come the end. Why I left him off, he dropped down a little bit in greens and regulation. He dropped down on the Lynx uh, model where he only ranked out 64th for me in the Lynx model. So that kept him off my betting card. I've seen enough to keep him on side for DFS. Don't mind Johannes Veerman as well, down at 9,000. Although it's a little high price point for someone who hasn't shown me the Lynx history on paper. Um, some Americans take the Lynx like duck to water. <laughs> Look at Colin Morikawa, for example. Veerman's form has been very good, but I'm not going to keep him. I'm sort of keeping him in the background, but the three I'm, I'm singling out in the 9K range is Lowry, McIntyre, and Thomas Dietrich are going to be on side for me. My fade in this range, listen, I, I could be very generic and just say fade the Ryder Cup guys, but I'm not. I'm going to focus in on Sam Horsfield at 9-1. It's, it's, it's really down to form. Like Link's history for the Englishman is, is not great. He grades out 123rd in my Lynx model, which makes me think something might be wrong <laughs> to, to have him grade out that low. But even in recent form, he's grades out 65th in this field and adjusted strokes gained over the last 24 rounds. And his putting side of things has not been great. His scrambling is not great. There's certain things that I want to see people pop in my model for. And of that 9K range, he is bottom of the pile. Overall, he still grades out 24th in my model. But because he's in that 9K range, and he's at the bottom of that 9K range, that's why I'm going to fade Sam Horsfield. Let's have a look then at the 8K range. So my boy Matthew Jordan is in this range. Definitely going to keep him on side. Callum Hill and Jordan Smith are also guys that I would be having a look at. I expect Callum Hill to be very, very popular this week, so I am not going to put him on my card because I think the ownership is going to be too high. Matthew Jordan's ownership is also going to be high, but I'm going to eat that chalk because I'm all over him this week. Jamie Donaldson is another that I quite like as well. It's kind of this range at the minute that there is only 10 guys in it. It's a small range, and I could make a case for top five in that. And then the bottom five, I could make a case for fade, and that includes Guido Michelozzi, who I don't have on side this week because of the putter is really letting him down. I want to see a positive putter. And also the uh, Lynx side of things was letting him down in my model, so I'm not on side with Guido this week. He could come in here fresh and do well. He's not going to be in my lineups. Um, Juice Luton let us down at the Dutch Open. He's not going to be in my lineups as well. But my fade in this range is Andy Sullivan, who... Grades out 120th in the Lynx side of things, and that's just not good enough to have on side. So he grades out lowest in the model in this 8K range at 8.2. So the people I'm backing in this range uh, at 8.1 is Matthew Jordan, uh, Jordan Smith at 8,000, and Jamie Donaldson at 8.4. And then the fade in this range is Andy Sullivan at 8,200. Touched upon it earlier, the 7K range I think is, is really, really worth digging into. Somehow Richard Bland is down in the 7K range. Uh, Great side 15 from the model overall. Well worth a look. Um, 
Troy Merritt is here as well. Obviously, well-known states. Well, I say well-known stateside for you DFS uh, aficionados. You'll know Troy Merritt well. Maybe not so widespread known, but he's over here this week um, as one of the, the, the few Americans in the field that aren't traditionally on the European tour. Um, but Santiago Tario again. I've laboured the point with the Spaniard. He's on side for me. I'm, I'm keeping him here all day long. Um, he's on side at 7-2. Lots of others I like. Uh, Marcel Siem's in there at 7-5. Rafa Cabarabello at 7-4. Quite a, quite a Spanish feel to, to what I'm liking this week in general. Um, yeah, guys to avoid. Numbers-wise, I don't mind Victor Dubisson here, but he's the kind of character that might just give up after a couple of days of pro-am and 6-hour rounds and stuff. He's uh, I don't think I've ever seen a golfer withdraw as much from competitions as this guy so yeah Victor Dubisson's not going to be on side a couple of guys that I'm going to fade and one of them is Joachim Lagerin and that's more from the ownership side of things that he's really every time uh, I'm listening to any other shows or listening and reading the uh, pieces on DFS and betting Joachim Lagerin's name comes up time in time out over the last few weeks he's coming in at 7-2 which is a very cheap point and I do see a lot of high ownership for him this week in your lineups for that reason, I'm fading him. And he also comes out 65th in my model overall, whereas there's other K, other guys in the 7K race, like Richard Bland, uh, Santiago Tario, Troy Merritt, Richie Ramsey's up there as well, that are in and around the top 20 of my model. So I'm getting 7K guys there, whereas the likes of uh, Lagerin's down in 65th. I have Thorborn Olison uh, down at 78th in my model. So these are guys that, for me, I'm going to fade. Um, Christopher Broberg would be another uh, Broberg did land the Dutch Open last time out but he did say he's come through seven years of hell that was such an emotional experience and I nearly had tears in my eyes watching that one whenever Christopher Broberg finally got over the line at the European Tour level taking down the Dutch Open it's a lot to recover from though um, to, to bounce back a couple of weeks later and play a pro-am type event in a Lynx field and in the poor weather and really get emotionally up for that again. So Broberg's another that I'm going to fade in that range. Yeah, top of the 6K range for me, Callum Shinkwin, who's already made my card. I touched upon Nicholas Colsarts and David Law as guys who were showing value for me at bigger prices betting-wise. And then the final one that I like there is Adrian Otagi at 6'9", who grades out 54 for my model. But uh, the putter is the one that's a bit of a concern. But link style was doing fairly well. GIR approach game was solid. Uh, graded out 26 there. So Adrian Otagi is the last 6K, 6K guy that I'm going to touch upon. Maybe went a bit Pat Perry there on it. Let's get to the best bet. And for me, I have beat the drum for this man. Santiago Tario Ben at minus 115 against Min Woo Lee, which is available at DK Sportsbook. Listen, Min Lee Woo is going to be a popular name this week, both betting-wise and in DFS, largely because he is an Australian and he has done well at the likes of the Vic Open and stuff before where he won on home soil or, or did well on home soil. And that's going to keep him on people's radar. But to be honest, I'm going to fade him. I want to see it in Scottish links. I want to see him over here do it. And because of a broken season that he's had, he's not really showing the recent form that I want to see from someone in that range. And I think he graded out in the, the high 50s. So did Adrian Moronk in that range as well, was another guy who's paired up in matchups where uh, Santiago Tario is a dog to Moronk. The thing that swung the betting 
for me to Min Lu Wee and get his name right, Min Woo Lee, was that he is playing that course rotation that I don't want to be on, where he's playing Kingsborn on day two. Um, and because I'm getting Santiago playing Kingsborn on day one, I am more than happy to take that price at minus 115. I think it's good down to minus 130 on my numbers. And because of that course edge as well, I'm, I'm happy just to take on Min, Min Li Wu generally. He's going to be fairly high owned on, uh, fairly high owned in DFS as well, so keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I think that's the first show in the books. And all I can say is let's see some green screens, let's get some cash, and best of luck for your DFS and betting for the European Tour. You can find me in the nut pot over the next 24 hours, and I will drop in as much nuggets of information as I can. Let's look at those first-round leaders that are playing at King's Barn. Let's try and get some more matchups on the board when then prices come out as well, and let's look at showdown over the weekend too. So all the best for now from Mark Hill Sports. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me sort of stalking the Tour Junkies community, and best of luck.